0: And it is always encouraging to see that many young people stand up and say, we believe in God the Father, and we believe in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit who's given us new life. Um, now, I have the pleasure of introducing to you my mentee, Vince LeGrand. Give him a round of applause. Yeah. And uh, Vince is going to be reading our scripture today. So uh, go ahead, Vince.
1: Thanks. Um, all right. The Apostle John experiences a vision in which he sees Jesus returning to judge our world. This reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, beginning at the 7th verse. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and when he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the world, the whole world, to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you to God. (laughs) Thank you, Vince. (laughs) Um, Vince is a good man. He is a good young man. He's trying to follow the Lord in everything that he does. Um, Thank you so much. So, we are celebrating a 13-year partnership between Urban Impact and Christ Church. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Praise God for that. 13 years. What's What's as unbelievable as that is the amount of success that God has given these two godly institutions over these last 13 years, Christ Church, when I got here 13 years ago, was literally half the size it is today. I mean, and I don't mean just congregation. I mean, we were half the building that we are today. Isn't that awesome? The whole church was in this building, like this, this room. And now we've expanded into that. And, and Urban Impact is doing more now than it has ever done in its history. And for that, I have to thank many of you. I do because urban impact, I can say honestly, urban impact would not be where it is financially from a leadership perspective or a prayer perspective if it were not for the heavily invested people at Christ Church at Grove Farm. So thank you so much for your diligence and your commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the north side of your city, Pittsburgh. So it's fitting that we're going to be talking about the Church of Philadelphia today because that uh, the Church of Philadelphia was given a special opportunity For the gospel. An open door, if you will, much like what Christ Church and Urban Impact have grown accustomed to these last 13 years. And so the title of my sermon today is The Church of the Open Door. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to be a church and a people whom God opens doors for. Before we do that, let's pray together. Father God, Lord, I just pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in this room right now. Lord, no one wants to hear from me, but we do want to hear from you. And so I pray that you would speak through me, and I would just be your mouthpiece. Father, I pray that you would give us minds to hear what you want us to hear. That we wouldn't simply be hearers of your word, though, that we would be doers of it. And Lord, I pray for the open doors and the possibilities that you are going to open up as a result of today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Before we get into the scripture this morning, I want to give you a little bit of background on the Church of Philadelphia. Um, The Church of Philadelphia, first of all, I am not talking about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. (laughs) All right, and and I figured that went without saying, but it's like, and I debated whether even to say that, but it's like, it's technically a book about the future, and I don't want anybody to think that, like, God's predicting that Philadelphia would exist, right? No, he's talking about Philadelphia in Asia Minor, which there should be a, a map we have for you, maybe. There it is, there you go. Um, So that's number six on there. That's where Philadelphia is, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, That's where it's located. It was was founded 150 years before Christ. Um, And uh, it got its name. One of the founders was so unwaveringly loyal to his brother that they called him Brother Lover, which is weird to me. But that's what they did. And so that's why Philadelphia got its name, the City of Brotherly Love in in, uh, Asia Minor. One other interesting fact ...about Philadelphia, which kind of pertains to our sermon today... ...it was the intersection between three different regions within the Roman Empire. Okay? And so the Romans, as the Greeks before them, they, 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 founded this, they used this city as an outpost for Greek culture... ...which they were trying to propagate in those community, communities. And so that's, And that's exactly what Philadelphia became. It became a hub of Greek culture for it to spread into the other regions... And so it's, it's interesting that God also gave this region an open door for the gospel, where it would become a hub for the gospel to spread to those regions. But I want to state, Philadelphia was given an open door because of what the people inside Philadelphia did, not because of the location. So now we have a little background. Let's, let's head into our scriptures today. Um, my dad has uh, he, prepared the same sermon. He's giving it across the room. Okay, He's giving it across the hall. And he decided that, we were go- that this is a little too much scripture for us to try to unpack in 20 to 25 minutes. So we're going to really focus in on just two of them, verses 7 and 8. He's the boss. We do what what the boss says, so we're doing 7 and 8. <laughs> so let's take a look at 7 and 8 together. And I didn't bring my Bible up here, so I'm going to use my phone. Okay. Do we have the scripture, seven, verses 7 and 8? Can we pull those up? Perfect. It says, to so the angel of Philadelphia, write, Uh, I'm sorry, the angel of the Church of Philadelphia right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Okay, there's a lot there. First thing that jumps out at me is that Jesus is talking to believers. He's talking to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. So he's talking to believers. But then what does he do right at the beginning? He shoots out his credentials. He he talks about who he is. Now, to me, this seems kind of redundant because he's talking to people who already believe in him. So so it, it seems like he's telling them something they already know. What compounds this issue is that he is writing to seven different churches. And every single time he talks to one of them, he shoots out his credentials. So why does he do that? And I believe that the reason is this. Whenever God asks us to do something, oftentimes, or I should say sometimes, we think about our situation, we think about our own strength, and we think about who our decisions are going to affect. And that can sometimes fill us with fear and doubt, and we can get discouraged, and we can decide that maybe we don't want to do the thing that God is asking us to do. But when we think about God, and we think about his power, and we think about his love for us and his character... Then we become empowered, it gives us faith to walk through the doors that God opens for us. When we think about the fact that God is all-powerful, that he could literally bring all of his plans to fruition by himself, he doesn't need us. He brings us in because he wants us to live a life of purpose, because he wants to make make us a part of his great history, his great war between him and Satan and evil. And we get the opportunity to to become a part of that when we we come along with his power. This takes the pressure off of us. Because when it's his power, the results are up to him, not up to us. And so, the, the, so because the, the pressure's off, it makes it easier to walk by faith knowing, okay, God, results are up to you. And we think about the fact that God loves us. There is literally, there, God will never ask you to do something that's going to hurt you ultimately. Never. Never. And his character never changes. Ever. He always tells the truth. He's never going to give you a stone and say it's bread. He's never going to give you a snake and say it's a fish. When he gives you something good, it's just as advertised. And he will always give you something good. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He says, all things will work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, whenever we do what God wants us to do, Even if there is some pain or something difficult we have to go through, it will always work out for your good. And it will be the best decision you could have made. The very first sin that was ever committed was under the guise that God was not good, or as good as he said he was. Adam and Eve took that fruit thinking that God might have been holding out on them. And so so when we sin, it's a replica of of that first sin. We simply think in our minds, even for a moment, maybe God is holding out on us. And so, so what, does the, what does Jesus say to the church of Philadelphia? He says, I'm holy. Meaning he's above their situation. He's not in their situation. He's above it. He has control over it. He also says, I am true. I will never lie, ever. And then he says, I hold the key, the key of David. What does that mean? He's quoting Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah. And what he's doing is he's, he's using Israel's history to give them faith for the future. And I'm not going to go into the passage of Isaiah, but I simply want to state this. What he's saying here, he's saying, I, I took David, who was the lowest person in his not-royal family, and I made him king in Israel. Do you think David had any power over that decision? He didn't. I opened a door that no human being could open. And Saul tried to shut it, and he couldn't. You see, I can open doors that no man can open, and no man can shut those doors. And he says to Philadelphia, "I will open a door for you like that." A lot of times, God uses our past to help us give us faith for the future. My dad uh, tells a story when we first started our ministry on the North Side. Six years into the ministry, he walks outside of our house and our car is missing for the third time. Yeah, number three. And 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 he is very discouraged. He's like, "God, am I even? What am I doing? Why am I here?" Am I making any kind of a difference? Or should I just pack it up and go home? And God gave him this. He said, Ed, how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. My dad's like, I don't know, God. How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> God said, and, and the Lord told him one bite at a time. And that's where the mission of Urban Impact was born. My dad thought, well, if I can transform just one person, then I can transform one family. And if I could transform one family, then I could transform a block. Right? To last year, we didn't, urban impact didn't reach one person or even one family. We reached fourteen hundred youth for the gospel. Fourteen, yeah. Fourteen hundred youth. Unbelievable. <laughs> And when I think about that, how God, my dad was like, if you, God, if you can just give me one, I'd be happy. And he took it and made it the 1,400. It gives me faith. And when I think about, you know, but here's the deal. There's over 10,000 youth on the north side of Pittsburgh. And of the 1,400 youth, I just, I just mentioned, they're not all discipled. And even then, they're not even all saved necessarily. And so I can get in my own mind, and I can think about and it gets discouraging, as I think about just me and my abilities and, and, how, and how big the problems are, and that's when I go back to what my dad what happened to my dad outside, six years into the ministry on that stoop. And God took just one, and he turned it into 1,400. And that gives me faith for what God is going to do in the future. I want to encourage you to do this. whenever you're praying. Write your prayers down. Because a lot of times, when God answers a prayer for you, He's not just doing that to be nice to you. He's doing it because He wants. It's a stepping stone for something He's going to ask you to do later. And so we need to remember it. Because when we remember how His faithfulness in the past, it gives us faith to walk through the doors in the future. So as we have faith for what God's going to do, how do we walk? How uh, do to walk through doors? How do we receive those open doors? Here's what he says. In verse 8, Jesus goes on to say, I know your deeds. See, I have placed an open door that no one can shut. So what's he talking about? Their deeds. Okay, how did they get an open door? It's the things they did. And here's what they did. Looking at verse 8, it says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. I know you have little strength and you have kept my word and not denied my name. They did those three things. And I'll explain uh, why, how, how having little strength is something they did. It's an attitude they had. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Before I do, I just want to talk about what I mean when I talk about the church. Because we want to be a church that God opens doors for. When I say a church, of course, I don't mean the building, right? If you were to, if you were to take out all the, the chairs and pews in here and put in food and tables, it would be a restaurant. This place could be a Costco, it's so big. But 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 you understand, like the the building will do whatever you want it to do. And it's not the it's not the parish council or even the pastors. It's all of us. It's everybody who attends. And so we are to practice these things individually, and that's how we'll do it collectively. And so let's so let's take a look at the first thing. It says, you have little strength. That seems like a backhanded compliment, right? You're weak. Right? It doesn't sound like a good thing. But but what God is saying is, you recognize your own weakness, and so you rely on my strength. Right? God isn't looking for powerful people. He's looking for people through whom he can demonstrate his own power. Uh, when God gives people success, sometimes, uh, like he's given to Christ Church and like he's given to Urban Impact, sometimes we can become dependent on not the Holy Spirit, but on our own abilities and our talent. I'm not saying anyone's doing this, of course, but I'm I'm simply saying when you receive success, you can become dependent on your own abilities, your intelligence, your influence, your work ethic, and all those sorts of things. But they are no substitute for the Holy Spirit. And in my opinion, that's exactly what the world does. You see, the world relies on its own abilities, and its systems, and its influence. And I was a history major in college, and one of the things that I noticed as I was studying history was that when a nation would take over another nation, right, they would set up new institutions, and they would set up new systems, and they put new leaders in that place, and a military behind it, and they put finances behind it, and then they'd be shocked that the people didn't change. That the people, even though they changed everything, the entire look of the country, it looked exactly the same at the end as it did in the beginning. Why? The reason is this. They never engage those people's hearts or their minds. They never brought their will to the table. And the one who can change a person's will is the Holy Spirit. We can have the best performers. We can have the best food. We can create a great loving atmosphere and we can be spinning our wheels if the Holy Spirit is not a part, is not leading what we're doing. I'll tell you a story to illustrate this point. There was a school in Texas um, that uh, had a fire in in, in the school, and and children actually died in the fire. And so the the community wanted this to never happen again, so what they decided to do was insert a brand new sprinkler system into the school, a state-of-the-art sprinkler system, and they would run drills to make sure the kids got in and out of the school in record time. And everything was great until the fire marshal showed up. Fire marshal shows up, and he, see, he inspects the sprinkler system, the, sta- the brand-new sp- state-of-the-art sprinkler system. And then he sees the kids run their drills in record time, and he gives them a big F on their inspection. And the principal can't believe this. He's like, what? We just spent all this money on the sprinkler system. We, 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 uh, the kids are coming in and out in record time. Why did you fail us? And this fire inspector said this. He said, you're right, it, it, this sprinkler system is state-of-the-art, nicest one I've ever seen. He says, the kids are moving out in record time. There's just one problem. Your sprinkler system isn't hooked up to the water line. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a problem, wouldn't it? <laughs> so when the fire starts, people are still going to die. Here's the point. We can have the best systems. We can have the best, at, we can have the best of everything in place. But the only one who can put out the fires in people's lives is God. That's really all we bring to the table, guys. We don't transform anybody. God transforms people's lives. And so as we do the work that we're supposed to do, God will use our talent. and ability. I'm not saying that structure and systems and, and and, and God doesn't use our abilities. Those things are all important. They're just never a substitute for the Holy Spirit. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize our own weakness and inability to really do anything of spiritual significance. That's the first thing we have to do. Okay, the second thing we need to do is, is that he said that you have kept my word, right? That, that it says not, uh, he says by my, I'm sorry, the, in Isaiah it says not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he says that you have kept my word. I thank God. The 13 years that I've been at Christ Church, that I have never doubted whether the gospel and the word of God was preached in this building. There is one textbook here, and it is the Bible. I thank God for that. John Guest and the pastoral staff have done an excellent job of staying true to the gospel. In a world, just just like in the days of the Philadelphian church, we live in a world that is constantly questioning the Bible. Can this book be trusted? Is it the word of God? Is it the only word of God? but not here. And that's not the case in every church. And so I thank God that here at Christ Church, the Bible's our textbook. So I thank God for that. 2 Timothy chapter 215 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We all need to be that, be like that. We all need to be in the word and we need to to treat it as the only sanctified word of God. Second, the third thing we need to do, is it says that you have not denied my name. What does it mean to deny God Christ's name? You see, Jesus is the gospel. The fact that, that God came in the flesh, in, a, in, in human form, and he lived a perfect life. And then he died as a sacrifice for our sins, and so we put our trust in him, we put our faith in him, our sins die with him on the cross. And we are made righteous and we have access to the Father. And that one day when we die, heaven is our home. That's the gospel. And when it says that you have not denied my name, it's saying that you've lived for that. Your life has been, one, changed by that. And then you've lived proclaiming that. And you are not ashamed of it. That's what it means to not deny his name. Just like in the days of the Philadelphian church, we are constantly up against it because people are saying, was Jesus really God? Or was he, good? Was he a good teacher? Was he a philosopher? Is, is he really the only way to heaven? Don't, aren't all religions the same? See, these are the questions just, and they were going up against it in Philadelphia as well. But Philadelphia stood tall and said, no. He is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. We have to stand for that as well. Not just as a church, but as individuals. Now we do it with tact, and we do it loving people. But everywhere we go, that's like a badge on our shirt. Right? That's who we are. We live for the gospel. If we do those three things, if we recognize our own weakness... If we stand for the word and we stand for the deity and the gospel, the deity of Christ and the gospel, then God will provide open doors. But open doors for what? what is, what's an open door? An open door is this. Throughout the scriptures, when, when the Bible talks about an open door, it's an, it's an opportunity for the gospel. If we do these three things, God will give you opportunities to do ministry. That's what will happen. Uh, Colossians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 3 says this, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we mo- may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. What's the mystery of Christ? The gospel. It's what I just talked about. And I want you to understand this. The meaning of life is this, that we are to have fellowship with God and fellowship with people. We are to love the Lord God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And to worship God forever. That's the meaning of life. Is that ever going to happen here on earth perfectly? No. So why are we still here? How come when we ask God to come into our lives and forgive us of our sins. Are we not zapped up into heaven like beam me up Scotty. Like yup. why doesn't that happen? Because we still have a job to do. We're here for a reason. One day when we get to heaven we will completely, we will perfectly enjoy the reason life was created in the first place. But while we're here we've got something to do. And so when open doors are presented to you, you have an option. You can walk through it, or you can stand there and look at it. I praise God because I'm preaching to the choir here, and I know the people in the pews. You people walk through open doors. At Urban Impact, we have lots and lots and lots of open doors for you to become a part of. I'm asking that uh, uh, you would pray right now about talking to one of our people in the, back, in the booths back there. We need athletics volunteers. We need education volunteers. And we need volunteers in the performing arts. And if, there is a, and if none of those are your niche, and you haven't, if you have vision for something else, go back and tell us about that, because if we can't help you, we want to. We are looking for people with vision. So talk, talk to them back there. Another thing that we need, we need finances. I'm an urban missionary in the north side of Pittsburgh, and it's because of many of the people in the, in. in, in that give to me in the audience right now that I can subsist and do what God has called me to do, which is to be, do the work of an evangelist. But there are other urban missionaries, my brothers and sisters, who are not fully supported. I want you to pray about possibly giving $25 a month to one of them so they can continue to do the work and, the, and that the, the work of, on the north side can expand. And then one other thing I want to talk to you about. I know that many of you have non-Christian friends, and you are probably praying for them. And you are asking God to give you an opportunity to share your faith with them. December 5th and December 7th, we are having a concert called Light the Night, okay? There are two times a year where you can get non-Christians to show up at church, Christmas and Easter. That's, that's when you can do it. You want to go after them? Christmas and Easter. I am telling you, this is the best light tonight that we will ever put on, that we have ever put on. We have been working on it since the summer, and it is fantastic. If you want, and my dad is going to preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit is going to blow the, blow the roof off the building. Okay, it's going to be at Allegheny Center Alliance church. I am, I'm telling you, if you want to bring your, your friends to something, or, and family members who do not know the Lord to something where they are going to be introduced to Christ in a dynamic way, Take them to light the night, December 5th and December 7th. There's one other thing I want to talk to you about. There's going to be a video that's going to come up on the screen. We have an awesome cafe back there, and all of the proceeds go to Urban Impact Foundation. And I want to talk to you about a way that you can serve right here at Christ Church. You can cue the video. Well, if that didn't make you want to serve, it definitely made you hungry. <laughs> 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 Whew, that's awesome. That's another awesome opportunity to serve. I love preaching to this church because I know, uh, because I see all of you people at Urban Impact. (laughs) You guys are a church that walks through open doors. Let's pray together and uh, we'll serve the Lord. Father God, um, I give you thanks and praise for for Christ Church at Grove Farm. Father, I pray that we would leave this place. And that we would go and serve you, Lord. That we would be people who walk by the power of your Holy Spirit. We live by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that, that we would keep your word. We would study it. We would be faithful to defend it. And Lord, that we would boldly declare the gospel until you come home. I, I, Lord, I, I thank you for these people. I pray that we would all be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, and have a great day serving the Lord.